bizarro world. Doesn't that sound just about right for what we're going through right now, this so-called uh, reckoning for racial justice? It's ridiculous. It's so dishonest. We're having a foolish conversation about race to avoid having a serious conversation about race. And what is most absurd in my book is that Joe Biden is leading the conversation, or at least trying to. He went to Tulsa yesterday to talk about race. We'll get to that in a moment. But again, the ridiculousness of this man, this career politician, talking about race as if he knows something about it. He said this during the campaign. Personally, I think it renders him ineligible to ever speak about race again. But no, he's a Democrat, and he just keeps on going. Remember this? It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. I mean, really, this should have rendered him, I don't know, well, shouldn't have made him president. When you speak and when you think like that, I mean, that's basically racism right there. If you look one way, you're supposed to think one way. Terrible stuff. But then again, Joe Biden somehow is the president of the United States, and he went out to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to talk about race and the horrible thing that happened in Tulsa 100 years ago. I actually want to talk first about Joe, because he's distorting our collective history. We know he can distort his own history. He's done it throughout his career. If he'll do it for himself, He'll do it to us. So Joe Biden, he got to the Senate based on privilege. This is a privileged individual. What do I mean by that? He's mediocre, and he chose the least competitive state in the country from which to become a United States senator. If you really want to be a senator, you could probably go to Delaware and pull it off, okay? Delaware is so small, there are something like 10 to 15 counties that are bigger than Delaware. Take a look at this. San Bernardino County is the biggest county in America, and it's three and a half times the size, I think, of Delaware. All right. This is a very small place. Joe Biden becoming a senator with like 75,000 votes back when he was 29 years old was um, impressive, but not too impressive, really. And what did he do after that? Well, he got reelected and reelected and reelected, and he stayed there for a long time. What do politicians do? We know this about all politicians, but Joe is really notorious. They distort, they exaggerate, sometimes lie to increase their power, their prestige, their fame, and potentially earning. Take a look at this. What law school did you attend, and where did you place in that class? And the other question oh, is, could you quickly, I, I think we I, I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. <laughs> I went to law school on a full academic scholarship, the only one in my, in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. In the first year in law school, I decided I didn't want to be in law school and ended up in the bottom two-thirds of my class and then decided I wanted to stay, went back to law school, and in fact ended up in the top half of my class. I won the international moot court competition. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only needed 123 credits, and I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. Now, all that stuff is not true. Just about everything he just said is not true. But he said it. He distorted and exaggerated to enhance his political power and his prestige and all of that stuff. And he's still doing it. By the way, back then, the media weren't afraid to call this kind of stuff out. 
Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Newsweek says Biden actually went to school on a half scholarship, ended up near the bottom of his class, and won only one degree, not three. Joe Biden ranked 76th in a class of 85 at the University of Syracuse Law School. I mean, this guy comes off this whole thing as a flyweight. Now Biden says Newsweek is right. His memory had failed him. So that was back in the late 80s, and it was just a pathetic political sideshow. Now it's different. The stakes are much higher. Joe Biden somehow became president of the United States, and he went out to Tulsa to lecture us about race in America. Now, I don't think he's qualified to do that. Do you? And we just showed how he exaggerated his own personal history to enhance his power. I know he's now distorting our history to enhance his power. He did it a lot yesterday. Friend of mine, John Meacham, I'd written when I said I was running to restore the soul of America. He wrote a book called The Soul of America, not because of what I said. And there's a picture about page 160 in the book showing over 30,000 Ku Klux Klan members in full regalia. The Ku Klux Klan is not a force in America anymore. The way Joe Biden talked about it sounded like that rally happened yesterday. And by the way, he even distorted that little, uh, that little moment. I looked it up. Page 160 in John Meacham's book. Actually, it's page 173, but... What does it matter, really? But take a look at the picture. Do you see 30,000 Klansmen? No, you see about uh, a couple of hundred in that picture. Now, it was a big rally, to be sure, but Joe just can't help himself when it comes to exaggerating. And there's more. That ridiculous Klan rally, which is reprehensible, we don't agree with them, it's stupid, but their legacy is America, Joe says. Millions of white Americans belonged to the Klan. And they weren't even embarrassed by it. They were proud of it. And that hate became embedded systematically and systemically in our laws and our culture. In our laws and our culture. Uh, there was the Civil Rights Act in 1964. He's saying that that hate is still with us today. America has come a very long way, Joe. A very long way. Heck. <laughs> We elected a black man, your boss, twice. Get to that in a moment. He also said, and I knew he would go there, he tried to liken what happened in Tulsa 100 years ago, where maybe 300 people, as many, died, to January 6th, where only one person died, a Trump supporter. Mother Fletcher said when she saw the insurrection at the Capitol on January the 9th, it broke her heart. A mob of violent white extremists, thugs, said reminded her of what happened here in Greenwood 100 years ago. Is that a fair comparison at all January 6th to Tulsa in 1921? We all know what happened. Uh, no, it's absolutely a ridiculous comparison, but it's one that will enhance his political hand. He also has some pretty crazy observations about our culture and uh, things that Joe has been watching on TV. I challenge you, find today when you turn on the stations, sit on one station for two hours, and I don't know how many commercials you'll see, lay eight to five, two to three out of five have mixed race couples in them. 
That's not by accident. They're selling soap, man. <laughs> not a joke. Remember old Pat Cadell used to say, you want to know what's happened in American culture? Watch advertising. Because they want to sell what they have. Pat Cadell was right until <laughs> Black Lives Matter came around. Because this stuff right now, by the commercials or in the commercials that Joe is watching on his stations, did you catch that? This is being forced down our throats. And advertisers, they are being as woke as possible, not because this is necessarily reflective or not reflective of where we are as a country, but they just want to virtue signal. Everybody knows this, okay? Hey, interracial couples are fine. Same race couples are fine. But why is this now being celebrated? It's making some people feel that if they're white or, and if they're white and they're not married to a person of color, that somehow that's not cool, that's not hip, that's not in. This kind of messaging is, um, I don't think it's bringing us together. Do you? Again, the advertising community, this is virtue signaling, and Joe knows it. All right, this is probably the most offensive and most dangerous, but uh, it's here to stay, folks. Joe and the swamp are sticking to this story. According to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not ISIS, not Al-Qaeda, white supremacists. That's not me. That's the intelligence community. We all know that the intelligence community is big time politicized. Did you see those commercials from a couple of weeks ago? How woke they are. Remember weapons of mass destruction. The intelligence community in the swamp, they go together. And everybody with common sense knows that our lives are not threatened by white supremacy. It's a ridiculous notion. And it is a irrelevant notion. But they keep driving it because they think it will enhance their political power. Joe, if you want to commemorate something, how about what happened a year ago in Minneapolis? Was this beautiful? Was this great when they destroyed a police station? Hmm. Joe, what country are you talking about? Again, you were the running mate of Barack Obama, a black man who was twice elected president of this country. And you're acting like they, that never happened. And so, by the way, is Barack Obama. It's pretty wild. And everything you did yesterday in Tulsa and, and since and before, it's going against what you promised us during your campaign and also on Inauguration Day. The very first moment you are president, you promised to bring us together. My whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. His whole soul is in it. You buy that? I don't know what is up with Joe's soul, but uh, he's not living up to that promise. We'll be right back with Governor Greg Abbott of Texas. It's our America. We conquered it. We built it. Great values like honesty and fairness. Great courage. A great nation needs a free press. Newsmax is it. 30 million Americans regularly go to Newsmax when they really need to know. They watch Newsmax TV at home on the free Newsmax app. They go to Newsmax.com. Start today. Newsmax is real news for real people. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? 
You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? Folks, one of my favorite senators is U.S. Senator Tom Cotton, Republican of Arkansas. Guy is off the charts brilliant, combat veteran of Iraq. And when he talks, I listen. And the world should have listened a little bit more closely a little over a year ago when he talked about the coronavirus possibly coming from that laboratory in Wuhan, China. I would note that China, that Wuhan also has China's only biosafety level four super laboratory that works with the world's most deadly pathogens to include, yes, coronavirus. All the evidence, circumstantial to be sure, but all the evidence right now points to these laboratories in Wuhan as the most likely source for this virus. But a virus can be naturally occurring and still result from a lab outbreak because we know that they were using bats uh, in those labs in Wuhan. They were researching the coronaviruses that can come from those bats. So brilliant guy, senior member of our government, he knows stuff. He has access to stuff. What does the fake news? How do they react to all of this? The hoax has wound its way to Washington. It was being pushed by Republican Senator Tom Cotton. Tom Cotton keeps repeating a coronavirus conspiracy theory that was already debunked. That is a theory that has been supported by supporters of the president, uh, right-wing circles, Senator Tom Cotton, for example. And there is simply no reason to believe that 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 is the case. Shame on Tom Cotton. Um, shame on all of you. Turns out Tom Cotton was probably right. He was onto something, and we're finally seeing mainstream media acknowledgement of that. Even Dr. Fauci is acknowledging, yeah, we should probably look into this at this point. It's interesting what they label a conspiracy theory. Uh, turns out not so much a conspiracy theory. It's fact. What else have they called conspiracy theories over the past couple of years? And what will those theories ultimately turn out to be? Hmm. All right, let's talk about Dr. Fauci. Did you hear he's got a new book and a movie coming out? the movie and it goes on meet the father meet the hero meet the husband meet the man behind the numbers meet him got too much of him he was overexposed he went on every single show podcast uh comedian stand up everything he did it all and now we're going to see the movie and how about the book why was he writing a book all this time while america was suffering staying at home he found a way to make even more money he never missed a paycheck. He's the highest paid man in federal government. Makes more money than the president. 400 something thousand dollars. How about that? It's not right. It's not right. And we're finding out that, yes, mixed messaging in public and in private. Have you seen some of his emails that have now um, been made public? 
Here's something that's interesting uh, from February 5th of last year. Masks are really for infected people to prevent them from spreading infection to people who are not infected. The typical mask you buy in the drugstore is not really effective. Huh. I do not recommend that you wear a mask. Love, Tony. How about another one? Now, here's one from somebody with substantial contacts with that lab in Wuhan, China, writing to Tony Fauci. I just wanted to personally thank you on behalf of our staff and collaborations for publicly standing up and stating that the scientific supports a nature origin for COVID-19 from a bat to human spillover, not a lab release from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That was the party line. Now we're hearing it may, in fact, have come from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Interesting. Very interesting. Here's something also. Google. Everybody Googles stuff, right? Google knows what you look for, and they use that information, and they profit off of it. And It's one of the wokest companies around. They're very, very proud of that. Well, the guy in charge of uh, diversity and wokeness, apparently he's not too woke. He's pretty, pretty hateful. Come out. Bob is his name, global lead for diversity. Look what he wrote back then. If I were a Jew, I would be concerned about my insatiable appetite for war and killing in defense of myself. This is an anti-Semitic statement. And uh, everyone's wondering why Google didn't Google this guy who's uh, now (laughs) in charge of wokeness. Folks, speaking of wokeness, let's talk about Barack Obama and his new wannabe woke book, uh, Privilege, uh, Promised Land, rather. Some interesting stuff in here, and uh, you tell me, what do we make of this? He's talking about, uh, he sends Biden to negotiate with Mitch McConnell, and he thinks that that might work out better, because in McConnell's mind, negotiations with the vice president did not inflame the Republican base in quite the same way that any appearance of cooperating with black Muslim socialist Obama was bound to do. Muslim. Well, I know he's black and he's basically a socialist. Why did he put Muslim there? Now, he's writing to suggest that that's how the Republican base viewed him. But, yeah, we viewed him as black. We all Democrat base, right? Socialist. Not many people are going to argue with that. Why did they write Muslim? Hmm? I really don't care what his faith is, but I do think he should be honest with us about whatever his faith is. And there have been indications that, well, he hasn't been straight up with us. What I was suggesting, you're absolutely right that John McCain has not uh, talked about my Muslim faith, and you're absolutely right that that has not Christian come at my, my Christian faith. And, well, what I'm saying is that he hasn't His suggested that I'm, right. that I'm, that I'm uh, a Muslim. Kind of interesting, huh? He said, my Muslim faith, Stephanopoulos is interviewing him. He corrects him, says, your Christian faith. Oh, yeah, 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 my, my Christian faith. Uh, look, we could have a Muslim president someday. That's fine. But I think you've got to be straight with the American people about what your core beliefs are. And I think there are substantial indications that uh, Mr. Obama has not been straight with the American people about what his core beliefs are. All right. Another book I want to talk about real quick. It's called Zero Fail, The Rise and Fall of the Secret Service. It is a total hit job against the Secret Service. Every organization has problems um, and they take them. They take them out of context. They magnify them. Really unfair. Uh, I I love the Secret Service. I think they're great professionals. Yes, mistakes have been made over the years. Uh, But boy, oh boy, there are mistakes in this book. I mean, there are black and white mistakes. Uh, I wrote it down a list. You can check it out um, on my social media. 
all kinds of mistakes. And this is a Washington Post reporter. Hmm? I mean, they're not in a book. The mistakes made it all the way to the book. The biggest one, though, is the title, The Rise and Fall of the Secret Service. Secret Service is doing great. We have not had a near miss for a president since 1981, March of 1981, when Reagan, he almost died that day, by the way, that was bad. Hmm? We haven't had anything like that since. Every organization can get better. And prior to Reagan in the two decades, presidents, they were taking shots at presidents all the time. Kennedy, of course, Ford, two uh, potential assassinations. Um, so the Secret Service has done wonders, but leave it to the fake news to uh, try to take them down a notch and make money along the way. We'll be right back with Governor Greg Abbott of Texas. You're on the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. You're looking at President Trump, of course, with Governor Greg Abbott of Texas. Uh, they worked very well together. And kind of out of the blue, we had a very nice statement from the former president about Governor Abbott uh, posted on his website. Greg Abbott is a fighter and a great governor for the incredible people of Texas. No governor has done more to secure the border and keep our communities safe than Governor Abbott. Governor Greg Abbott, Republican of Texas, joins us right now. Governor, uh, were you expecting that? And first of all, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Well, Greg, I'm doing great. And listen, this endorsement is, is remarkable. Obviously, he did more than just say he endorses and supports me. Uh, if you look at everything that he said, it shows how closely we work together, how much he both likes me, but also how much he likes Texas. And as he knows, people in Texas like him a lot. Look at what he was able to do in South Texas. He did something no other Republican running for president ever did with the counties that he got in South Texas. So Hispanics in South Texas, uh, he was a transformational president in, in, in reaching out to and getting the support of Hispanics along the border. And I'll tell you one reason why is because unlike what the Democrats try to sell, Hispanics on the border, they really do want the border secure. But Greg, to, 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 to show you the kind of guy that President Trump is, while I was waiting to come on the air with you, he gave me a call. And he asked how things were going. He said that the endorsement was playing really well across the country. And he was talking about rounding up even more support for me. So he's all in 100 percent. When he gets behind you, nothing can stop it. It's pretty wild, huh? We've never had a situation like this before. A former president with this kind of power, this kind of clout. We'll see what happens. Hey, you've got your hands full right now on the border. The situation is not over. You still have a crisis on your hands and you have issued a disaster declaration for the 34 counties along, uh, I guess, the Lone Star State's border with Mexico. Uh, you know, it's strange how this has kind of faded from the news a little bit. It shouldn't have, but it has. Tell us, please, what's happening. It's going to be coming back into the news big time uh, over the course of this week and next week because of action that Texas is taking. One reason why it's escaped from the news is because the Biden administration has abandoned it. President Biden, his vice president, the border czar, neither of them have been here yet. And Secretary Mayorkas has only kind of flown by here a couple of times. They are completely ignoring the crisis taking place on the border. And because of that, as governor 
I'm having to step up and do the federal government's job. Think about it. You hear about disaster declarations for hurricanes. This is the first time that I'm aware of where I had to de declare a disaster for 34 counties along the border because of the crisis, because of so many people coming across the border. And you have cartels organizing efforts that where ranchers' property and their fences are torn down, their livestock is let out, their homes are damaged, their cars are broken into, their neighborhoods are dangerous, and we are going to instill safety. We are going to be doing things in Texas that no state has ever done before when it comes to cracking down on anybody coming across the border. We're going to step up and secure the border even more than we already are, because know this, Greg, and that is already, I've already deployed more than a thousand Texas Department of Public Safety officers, as well as National Guard, but we're going to ratchet up our efforts along the border to make sure we help secure our state and our country. What do they say to you when you pick up the phone and you call somebody like Secretary Mayorkas? I mean, some of these folks have worked in government before. It seems like it would be very difficult to defend the situation right now and their lack of action. What are they saying behind the scenes? Can you tell us? I, I will tell you that when, when it comes to Secretary Mayorkas, he seems to live in a different universe. He, he says the border is secure. It's almost, it's, it would be outrageous, but it sounds just bizarre and crazy because they literally have no idea. And I can't tell if they're just trying to disinform the public or if they really don't know. Uh, but they have no idea the magnitude of what's going on on the border. And let me give you another example. So what, regardless if you're in New York or Minnesota or California, Colorado, there is a problem on our border that's killing people across the country. And that's the amount of fentanyl that the cartels are coming across the border with. Just this year alone, in the first four months of this year, there enough fentanyl has crossed the Texas border and been apprehended by the Texas Department of Public Safety to kill every man, woman, and child in the entire state of New York. Biden's border policy is deadly dangerous across the country, and they are ignoring that danger. You know, Texas, I learned recently, and I, you guys... They're trying to push 24-hour voting and drive-through voting in Texas. Um, I'm not an election lawyer, but that sounds rather dangerous. And I know I have a feeling it's something you don't like, but it's being, uh, it's being pushed there. Well, Greg, I am an election lawyer because I represented the state in election lawsuits when I was the attorney general. Uh, and as you know, is the Constitution gives to state legislatures uh, the authority to design the election laws for the state what happened this last election, we had Harris County, which is where Houston is, where, where they tried to create their own election laws, including this 24-hour voting and the drive-through voting, and it's completely inconsistent with Texas state law. And that's exactly why we're working on passing the election integrity reforms that we are to rein in counties that are not going along with the law passed by the state legislature, which is the mandate in the United States Constitution. Yeah, uh, you know, and Joe Biden yesterday is really trying to equate efforts uh, like what you're engaged in as uh, Jim Crow on steroids. You know, he said that about Georgia. It seems uh, grossly unfair. And I wonder if he's just out of it or is that just political? Uh, we'll get to that next time. Hey, by the way, I understand we're <laughs> no defunding of the police in Texas. That's not going to happen. Absolutely. I signed the bill yesterday where we are going to defund cities, the defund police. You know, it's sad to think about this because people know this happens in Portland and Seattle and Chicago and New York. But for it to happen in Texas, and it did happen in Austin, Texas, Austin did defund their police. And so I signed a bill 
that will defund Austin. Here's the deal. Uh, people shouldn't be taxed uh, in a city uh, and pay revenue to a city that will not provide police for them. So we're going to eliminate a city's ability to increase property taxes or sale taxes or fees or anything like that. Also, people should not be trapped in a city that's not providing police to them. So we are ending the city of Austin's or any city that defunds police, their ability to annex people for 10 years, as well as grant people who have been annexed within the last 30 years the ability to get out of the city of Austin. This is going to bankrupt the city of Austin. They need to be looking for a bankruptcy lawyer real quick because their decision to defund the police will be catastrophic for their city and for their bank account. Governor Greg Abbott, we appreciate it so much. Continued success. Let's stay in touch, all right? Take care, Greg. You bet. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. Black lives do matter, of course, but not like the Black Lives Matter movement says when they only seem to care when a black life is taken by a white cop. The life of six-year-old Anaya Allen mattered. She was shot on May 17th while riding in a car with her mother in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Police say the car was suddenly caught in a hail of bullets when rival gunmen exchanged fire. Anaya was struck in the head and died two days later at the hospital. She was the third child struck by bullets in Minneapolis in the past three weeks. The other two are in critical condition. Anaya was the granddaughter of longtime Minneapolis anti-violence activist, K.G. Wilson, uh, who joins us now. And sir, I am so sorry for your loss. Uh, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Um. I'm uh, not really good. Um, I uh, just left from Anaya's home going uh, at the church and uh, the burial at the cemetery. So uh, I, uh, I'm hurt. I'm still heartbroken. Uh, just being in the presence of my six-year-old granddaughter in a casket and then her being lowering in the ground is just a nightmare that I wouldn't want anybody to have to uh, feel uh, to be real. You know, one thing is a dream and you wake up and it's not true and you talk about it, but for it to actually be true and you to actually stand over your granddaughter and I was able to kiss her goodbye. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not feeling good at all. And I think the thing that really bothers me is not still having no justice or no closure as I sit here right now and talk to you. What you just described is um, obviously horrendous and uh, the worst possible thing. And I am so, so sorry. I know that's uh, totally inadequate, but um, I will ask you, though, no arrests in her case. And it seems to me, and you may have heard in the intro, that the Black Lives Matter organization, they only seem to care when that black life is taken by a white police officer. Now, in the case of your granddaughter, no law enforcement officer shot her. It was 
We don't know, but it looks like perhaps rival gangs engaged in, uh, in a gunfight. Would you like to see some sort of action from Black Lives Matter? Because if Black Lives do matter, Anaya certainly mattered. Oh, definitely, 100 um, percent. Um, I'm not quite sure, but uh, there has been uh, some peace rallies, a few marches, and I would have to say that um, I'm told that there was some uh, members and uh, followers of Black Lives Matter that attended uh, those peace rallies and those peace marches. But what I will say, what I will say is what I did see, uh, I didn't see the same respond uh, and numbers uh, reaction that I see uh, when there is like a police shooting uh, or it's race against race. No, I didn't see that same response. And I'm not just saying this for my granddaughter, but I'm saying it for the other three children who were also shot, Davion and Trinity, who also lost her life. I didn't see the same response as I seen uh, behind uh, the recent police shootings uh, that I seen. So I, I will say that. And you're an activist in the community. Um, so from my perspective, and it may be a limited one, but from where I'm sitting, and uh, it seems to me that the more serious threat to people of color is not from white police officers or police officers in general, but it happens to be from often young men of color with guns in the community, not from cops outside the community. And it doesn't seem like anybody really wants to have that conversation. Exactly. And, and like, hey, not just recently, but in the past, you know, in all the years uh, that I have been uh, as an active peace activist in the community, it, it has been the same thing. Nothing has changed. You know, it's always a hush hush when it comes to, uh, uh, I guess I would say, the people of color uh, harming, hurting or killing other people of color in our community. Uh, now it's all about we can't tell, we can't snitch, we can't say who uh, hurt or killed somebody, even if it's a small, innocent child. And this is what angers me. This is what angers me. Uh, if, if, if nothing changes, I'm told nothing changes. And that means that there will be more babies shot down and killed in the streets. And, and there, we won't be able to point to uh, the other man. Eventually, we're gonna have to start pointing to the brother man. You follow me? And so uh, I, I'm praying and I'm hoping that, um, um, that this doesn't happen to another family. I'm hoping that no more children are taken uh, or shot or killed by these same individuals who are out here right now, who have not been arrested, who have not been apprehended, are still out on the streets uh, that can shoot and kill another child, just like they did my grandchild, Trinity and Davion. Okay, and so they can still do the same thing. And I could, I, I've heard this happening all over the uh, 50 states yeah. where children are still being shot down of color by color. And I'm not seeing the response that I see, like we started out in the beginning, that I see when thousands and thousands of people come out, rally, protest, they even become destructive and loot and burglarize and burn down stuff 
in a respond to, uh, let's say, white on black or police uh, evolved shooting. You know, and they could be grown men or grown people that this happened to, but no respond like that when it's an innocent child. So, uh, yes, that angers me. It upsets me. It continues to anger me and upsets me. And it's been happening for so long. I, I just don't even I, I don't even question it no yeah. more. I just sit back and just watch and say, wow, why is this happening? And I guess that's your question, too. And mm -hmm. what you're saying is, why is that happening? Well, KG. It upsets me and it angers me as well. I have not gone what you have gone through, of course, but uh, you're not going to be hush-hush about this. I'm not going to be hush-hush about this. No. Let's see if we can change the conversation because the conversation that's happening nationally is a silly one and a dishonest one. And you, sir, are having a real one, and I'd like to think that I am contributing in a small way myself. So let's do this. Let's continue the conversation. KG, again... Our condolences. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, if we have a moment, if, can you just tell us a little bit, uh, 30 seconds, about uh, Anaya as we look at her picture one more time here? What would you like people to know about her? One of the most precious, inspiring angels that God could have sent down here from the heavens. She would truly be missed the smile, uh, the peace that she brought to our family, and anybody who would have been in her presence. I can guarantee you that if she'd have stayed here, you would have heard about her, probably been interviewing her from being one of Minneapolis' powerful female black leaders. Naya Allen. K.G. Wilson to be continued, and we thank you. You're welcome. Be right back. How about that Fauci, huh? <laughs> Here he is starring in his own movie during the pandemic. Uh, he had a crew of very fancy documentarians following him around and a great big movie is coming out. He was also working on a book and he was also, of course, double talking all of us, saying some things in private, other things in public, changing his mind every 10 seconds. Take a look at this email. Uh, about mask wearing, and this is what he confided into somebody named Sylvia, former high-ranking uh, Democrat official. Masks are really for infected people, he writes, to prevent them from spreading infection to people who are not infected. The typical mask you buy in the drugstore is not really effective. I do not recommend that you wear a mask. And then it was mass PSAs, then it was double masking. The guy, uh, a bunch of emails have been found, and they tell a story that Fauci wasn't being straight with us. I'd like to bring in our panel. Peter Navarro, of course, former Trump White House trade advisor, a key player in so many matters. And Dinesh D'Souza, host of the Dinesh D'Souza podcast, author and filmmaker and very prominent conservative thinker. Gentlemen, welcome. Peter, first to you. What do you make of the, uh, the Fauci emails? A blockbuster today from the National Pulse basically proves that the building behind me, Wuhan Institute of Virology, is where the virus came from. It's a weaponized virus. Tony Fauci and the NIH used American taxpayer dollars to finance the genetic engineering of that. And Greg, the thing that bothers me the most as a Trump White House official, Fauci went behind the back of the Trump White House to authorize this gain of function tool, which basically turns viruses into weapons. It's a horseshoe bat. Fauci did it. He needs to be held accountable. This man is not a hero. He needs to be held accountable. And you were on to this very early on, Peter. February 2020. 
Uh, Dinesh D'Souza, your thoughts, please. Well, it's really remarkable that uh, 15 months into this pandemic, we are now hearing that you've got virologists at the Wuhan lab who have been manufacturing lethal viruses. They take viruses that are already deadly, they make them more contagious, they make them more lethal. And um, the idea that this was dismissed out of hand as a possible source for COVID-19, the idea that the media poo-pooed it, the idea that millions of Facebook accounts were taken down and posts deleted because they were supposedly accused of uh, pr promoting debunked uh, information and conspiracy theories. And now we find out these weren't conspiracy theories. So Facebook itself was in the disinformation business. They were suppressing legitimate theories, legitimate debate. Uh, and of course, this raises all kinds of questions that we now find in the Fauci emails. Very troubling stuff that he knew what was going on behind the scenes, but he was not letting the American public in on it. You mentioned, uh, Peter, holding Dr. Fauci accountable. Um, what does that entail? Uh, w w how do you see that happening? Uh, and he, he needs to be grabbed by the nape of the neck, taken out of the NIH, taken up to Capitol Hill in special hearings, and have him testify to what he knew and when he knew it. Here's the thing, Greg. The emails released today show that in January of 31, 2020, Fauci knew exactly what we had on our hands, a weaponized virus. If he had simply been honest with the people and had been honest with our government, we could have had a much more robust response to this. Instead, he just cast us into the deep end and wanted to be a hero, and he needs to be held accountable. He's the highest paid government official in this country. <laughs> that paycheck should stop tomorrow. Capitol Hill is literally right behind me, Greg. He needs to be up there in the hot seat answering. He's got blood on his hands, sir. Dinesh D'Souza, it's wild what they call a conspiracy theory one day turns out to be true in all likelihood. There are some other issues that people have labeled conspiracy theories, all kinds of issues. Uh, that's, uh, that's a defense mechanism, it looks like. Yeah, it seems to me that uh, what, what you have is a whole elaborate network of fact checkers who are not real fact checkers. I mean, think about it. What is the capacity of a fact checker at Facebook to verify which virologists are telling the truth? As it turns out, their consultant, the authority that they appealed to at Facebook, was one of these guys who was actually himself collaborating with the Wuhan lab. Now, obviously, you can imagine that guy's shock when the virus got out. He immediately realized that attention could be focused on him. He's a government-funded researcher. Yeah. And so as he was very important to him to throw the scent off of himself, off of the idea of the Wuhan lab as a source at all, and to imply very strongly that this must have come from a meat market. And now now a substantial trail of evidence pointing to the Wuhan lab. We have that email, by the way, uh, some official thanking Tony Fauci for, here it goes, I wanted to personally thank you on behalf of our staff and collaborations for publicly standing up and stating that the scientific supports a nature origin for COVID-19 from a bat to bat spillover, not a lab release from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And I'm sorry, Peter, in about 10 seconds, can you tell me who this Peter Dazak is? Uh, he's a third party funneling the money to the Wuhan lab. He's a doctor who in engaged and bragged about weaponizing viruses. He's a bad dude. He and Fauci need to be held accountable. Amazing. 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 Thank you so it is much. Amazing. It is wild. Uh, and Peter, again, you were on to this very early on. Dinesh, you too. We appreciate it so much. Stand by for Cinchfield.